0: Well, it's sure good to be back with you today. And to be at a church that plants churches and supports church planters is really encouraging. And Mobley is one of those churches. Uh, In the few times we've been here, obviously that has been a focus of your worship. I also want to thank your worship band for Tim and Nate as they led us in worship today, your staff, your leaders. It's just been a joy to get to know some of your key leadership here in the life of of Mobley. Last Sunday, Jared Stevens came and introduced this three-week focus we're having of one-on-one encounters with Jesus. And he talked about the blind man, Bartimaeus, that was crying out to Jesus and the encounter they had. Next Sunday, Johnny Hunt, who has just got that fire in his bones that never quits, is going to share more encounters with Jesus from John chapter 1. But today, we want to look at another one-on-one encounter with Jesus that he had with a Samaritan woman at a well, and we want to do this so that all of us can learn from Jesus how we can better share our faith in Christ with a person who's not a believer. And I realize some of you are not believers and some of you are classic cultural Christians with all the head knowledge of the faith But you've never really come to receive salvation So today is a very important word for everyone As we look at John chapter 4 if you'll turn to John 4 We're going to be studying most of the chapter But we're going to introduce our study by reading verses 3 through 10 and recognize this is not just the words of the apostle john this is the inspired word of god in honor of god let's stand now for the reading of god's word in john chapter 4 verse 3 jesus left judea and went away again into galilee and he had had to pass through samaria So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting there by the well, and it was the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Let's pray. Father, as we stand before you, our creator, the creator of all the universe, how awesome it is to realize that you, our creator, is eager to have a personal word with all of us through your word. And so, Father, may we receive your word, may we believe your word, and most of all, Father, may we apply your word and what you speak to us about today to our everyday life. For, Father, we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. There are certain scenarios where you would not expect a person to go. If you're a well-known conservative speaker, chances are there's not expectations at Cal Berkeley in Berkeley, California, that you're going to be welcome there if you're an african-american man the chances are if you show up at a white militia rally you're not going to feel welcome there if you're a senior adult church lady chances are you're going to feel out of place at a hell's angels rally and if you're a jewish man chances are you're never going to be found in samaria and yet that's what we see from jesus today jesus goes cross-cultural he intentionally enters samaria when most good jewish men would do all in their power to avoid ever going there even if they had to go to a long journey to the north of israel they would go around the samaritan region to avoid Being contaminated as they saw it by the Samaritan people. Why was there such racial prejudice? Well, there was racial prejudice because there is sin. Just like we have racial prejudice in Longview or Atlanta or any place on the face of the earth, there is racial prejudice in every culture. And here we see a scene that goes back to when the Assyrians, about 700 years before the coming of Christ, conquered Israel. And many of the Jews were assimilated into that Assyrian culture, and many compromised their biblical Jewish faith. They became known as Samaritans. So the Jews saw them as half-breeds. They saw them as compromisers. They saw them as heretics, and they wanted to have nothing to do with them. There was a superiority complex that the Jews had toward the Samaritans. There was a great racial tension there. And yet Jesus goes through Samaria very intentionally. And he shows up at a well, Jacob's well, that both the Samaritans and Jews would share a common heritage with. He's hot. It's 12 noon. If you ever go to Israel, especially in the spring and summer and fall time, you get out in open arid areas. It is hot and you are continually thirsty. And the humanity of Jesus is shown here. He faced all the struggles and challenges that we face as human beings when he entered this world as a human being, even though he is the son of God. He's tired. He needs something to drink. He's hoping that someone will bring him a drink of water. And we take up in the action in verse 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food therefore the samaritan woman said to him how is it that you being a jew ask me for a drink since i'm a samaritan woman for jews have no dealings with samaritans question question why would this woman come in the middle of the day to draw water would you chew on that a while The time that women would come to the well would be early morning before the heat of the day or late in the afternoon as the heat would begin to go down a bit. Why would she come in the middle of the day? By herself. Jesus is sitting there and this woman comes up and he asks for a drink of water. Now that's very unusual. She knows the social customs. She knows the racial prejudice. She knows the culture in which she lives. It's very unusual for a Jewish man to speak to a Samaritan and even more unusual for a Jewish man to speak to a Samaritan woman in public. So Jesus is crossing these cultural barriers, entering into Samaria. He's thirsty. This woman comes. He asks her for a drink of water. And she asks him, "Why why would you do this?" Well, look at Jesus' response in verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, as Jesus goes cross-cultural, and we see his humanity here, asking her for help when he is tired, he begins to season his conversation with this woman with spiritual truth while he is talking to her about material interest in her life. That's a very important understanding of what Jesus does and what we can learn from Jesus. He seasons the conversation with some spiritual salt, if you will, in hopes it will create a little spiritual curiosity in this woman who is all about coming to get her physical or material needs met. He talks about living water. But she doesn't get it. She's clueless. Verse 11. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Now, she's interested in this special kind of water, but she looks at him and says, You don't even have a jug or a rope. He says, You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Now look at what Jesus is doing. First of all, he speaks about living water in hopes it raises a little curiosity with the woman about what he's talking about, but she's clueless. So then as she is asking him about this, he gives even more spiritual insight in seasoning the conversation with some spiritual salt In hopes that the woman will have her interest aroused but she's still clueless now one of the things those of you who are followers of christ might want to do is go through the gospel of john and see encounter after encounter with jesus as he speaks spiritual truths by contrasting it with physical or material concerns Go back just one chapter, to John three, a very different person one on one with Nicodemus from this woman. Nicodemus, the pillar of the establishment, the pillar of respect, a leader of the Jews, a biblical scholar, but like this woman, completely lost spiritually. And so Jesus begins to contrast physical birth with spiritual birth. And Nicodemus didn't know what he's talking about. How can a grown man reenter his mother's womb? That doesn't make any sense. It was a grotesque picture. He was clueless. Well, here this woman, as Jesus once again speaking spiritual truths in the area of her material concerns coming to draw water every day he is talking about something he wants her to understand but you see in 1 corinthians two fourteen, 14 it's very clear the natural man can't understand spiritual things they just don't get it and here we see that's the case with this woman verse 15 the woman said to her, him give me this water So I'll not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. Now, all she's thinking about is that hot journey she makes in the heat of the day at noon. Why does she go there at noon to draw water with her big heavy jug day in and day out? She's saying, give me some of that water so I won't have to come to this well anymore and go through this agonizing ordeal. Why does she come in the middle of the day? Well, look at the conversation as it goes on. Jesus says, go call your husband and come here. Now, why does he do that? He's showing a cultural sensitivity. When you have an opportunity to share with a person who's not a follower of Christ, be culturally sensitive to the issues that can be a concern there. He knows it's really culturally improper to be talking to a woman who's not his wife in public. So he says to her, go call your husband. That's the culturally accepted thing to do. And look at how the woman responds she says i have no husband and jesus said to her you have correctly said in other words you've spoken the truth to me i have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband this you have said truly and the woman said to him sir i perceive that you're a prophet now this is quite an interesting conversation because jesus shows a cultural sensitivity and then he realizes that this woman needs to come to understand her sin life her sinful life her sin nature if she's ever going to begin to understand the importance of a savior and when you're talking to a person about christ they're not going to understand the need for a savior unless they first recognize their sin issue now i admit i admit that jesus has a big advantage here He knows everything about us. He knew everything about this woman. When you're talking to someone, you don't know everything about them like Jesus did. He got an advantage. But he brings up the fact that this woman's been married five times, and now she's cohabiting with a man who's not her husband. Now, folks, if this is not a classic 2020 woman in the United States of America, I don't know what is. This is a very relevant story to the world in which we live. You say in the first century, they didn't have all the problems we have today. Don't kid yourself. There's nothing new under the sun when it comes to sin. And here's a woman, she's been around, she's been around. Five husbands now living with a man who is not her husband. In many ways, she is the classic material girl let me read to you what madonna wrote about the material girl a few years ago i know some of you are so young you don't know who she is well she's an overage used to be sexy woman that now looks kind of funny when she tries to pull that off but this is what she says boys may come and go and that's all right with me living in a material world and i'm a material girl well this could be the woman at the well it's like she is stating the words for her But it's also an important moment in this encounter, because as she realizes that Jesus sees her and knows everything about her and begins to be convicted of her own sin, probably the reason she came to that well in the heat of the day is she didn't want to be around the other women who would always be talking about her reputation, and she felt totally ostracized from them So she came by herself, even in the heat of the day, so she wouldn't have to deal with all that. But look at how she responds when her sinful life is exposed. Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Well, duh. I mean, the man tells her her whole life in a sentence. Really bright woman, isn't she? And then verse 20, she says this. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say in Jerusalem is the place to worship, where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you don't know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for such, the people, for such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, and you're looking to learn from Jesus about one-on-one encounters with people who are not followers of Christ, and you're learning from him in this process, look at what happens here, and I promise you, you'll see it time and time again. The woman begins to feel this conviction of her sin. The heat is on her. So what does she do? She changes the subject. And she changes the subject by raising a theological question. We Samaritans worship God on this mountain. You Jews believe you should worship there in Jerusalem. Who's right? It's like right when you're beginning to have a very, very meaningful one-on-one encounter with a person who's not a believer and talking about their life. They say, well, now, who's right when it comes to this issue of baptism? Is it the Methodists or the Baptist?" And it's a real tempting time for a Christian. Because you can all of a sudden begin to puff up in pride with all of your theological insight and begin to chase a wild rabbit of explaining all the reasons that Baptists are right and Methodists are not. And what happens then? All the heat's off the woman. All the heat's off her. She's she's got you chasing a theological rabbit that's completely secondary to this occasion. What does Jesus do? He answers her question and he tells her what's coming one day. People are going to worship in spirit and truth. It won't matter where they worship. But then watch how he brings it back to himself. And that is so key, folks. When a person asks a question that gets the heat off them and raises a theological question that you're dying to explain with all of your theological wisdom, don't chase that rabbit too far. Come back to Jesus. Look at what he does. The woman said to him, verse 25, I know that the Messiah is coming. The Samaritans look for the coming of a Messiah just like the Jews. But he is the Christ. Christ is the Greek name for the Jewish name, Messiah. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Now, this is some kind of moment. This woman has her question answered by Jesus, but then to kind of dismiss it all and all the things they've been talking about, she said, Well, I know the Messiah is going to come one day. He'll explain everything to us and make it all clear. And Jesus says, you're looking at him. It's me. He brings the conversation back to himself, just like you and I want to remember, stay on point, bring the discussion back to Jesus. Now look at what happened here. He makes her aware of her sinfulness that has to happen before a person can understand our need for a Savior. The Bible is clear. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So that what you and I can do that's different from Jesus is when we're talking about sin, we want to always include ourselves, Rather than saying to the person you, we say we. We all struggle with sin and it separates us from God. But God in his love for us sent us his son to pay the penalty for our sin on the cross. He literally died in our place to face the judgment we deserve so that if we come to repentant faith, we can then receive Christ and be forgiven of our sin and made right with God not because we are but because of what Jesus did for us that's the gospel and Jesus then takes that conversation and brings it back to himself for he is the solution the living water of eternal life that this woman needs and we are to bring it to Jesus as well well an interesting part of the story occurs the disciples come back they've been out to get some lunch for jesus verse 27 at this point his disciples came and they were amazed that he'd been speaking with a woman yet no one said what do you seek or why do you speak with her so the woman listen to this all. listen are you listening so the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I've done this is not the Christ is it and they went out of the city and they were coming to him now the disciples come back and they've gone to get lunch for Jesus and he's talking to a woman not just a woman but a Samaritan woman and they were completely bewildered but the woman also could pick up on the vibes of a classic Jewish man and that group of Jewish men came back and she knows it's time for her to get out of there but not just that the Bible tells us something vitally important don't overlook this the Bible tells us she left her water pot why did she come to the well she came to draw physical material water h2o but she left her water pot to show us in this crisis of faith in other words when Jesus presented who he is she had to make a decision is he telling the truth is he who claims who he claims to be The Bible tells us she left her water pot and began to go into that city and tell everybody about this man she has met thinking, could he be the Messiah? It's obvious she has chosen to believe. It is obvious, everybody, listen now, are you listening? This is a classic picture of repentance. She came to that well with one way of thinking, she left that well and her water pot symbolic of her material, physical world and had a different way of thinking about God in Jesus that was going to lead to a new life for this woman. It's a beautiful picture there. Well, then Jesus has to do a little discipling with his disciples. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did they? Now, this is classic, folks. All through the Gospel of John, we see situations where people speak of the natural, physical world when Jesus is focusing on the spiritual nicodemus didn't get it this woman at the well didn't get it for a long time she does get it here and now jesus own disciples come back and say we brought you lunch eat he says i've got food you don't know about they said who brought him lunch they're clueless spiritually in what's going on they're his disciples they don't get it but what is jesus saying verse 34 jesus said to them my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work folks folks this is real soul food. Now, I don't know about you, but I love soul food. Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, turnip greens, cornbread. Ooh, that is a meal. That's soul food. But Jesus is revealing to his disciples real soul food. And that is doing the will of God for your life And there is nothing more important in fulfilling the will of God for a Christian's life than sharing our faith in Christ with those who don't believe in hopes that many more can come to know what we have discovered in Jesus. I know the majority of you as Christians sadly have never shared your faith one-on-one with a non-believer. The two biggest hurdles that Christians often never overcome is trusting god with their financial resources and beginning to tie and secondly verbalizing your faith in christ with a person who's not a believer those are the two big hurdles that most christians never really clear but i promise you this when you share christ when you share the gospel when you share your testimony with a person who's not a believer it will spiritually energize you like nothing else, because it is a major reason God has chosen you to be one of His followers to tell others about Jesus. When I go through a long dry spell, when I haven't had an opportunity to one-on-one share with a non-believer the gospel, I just can't believe how re-energized I am when the opportunity arises arises and the Holy Spirit prepares that way to share with a person who's not a believer this is real soul food that's what Jesus is talking about this is why he has come to help lost sinners be reconciled with a loving holy God and so he goes on there and he says in verse 35 do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest behold I say to you lift up your eyes look on the fields they are white for harvest now Think about what's happening in this story, folks. This woman goes into town. She tells all these men, I think I may have found the Messiah. Now, one thing for sure those, those men knew about this woman, she's not normally seen as a church lady. She's not normally seen as very religious. And so when she goes into town and she's talking about, maybe I found the Messiah, that got the men's curiosity up. And so now they're coming out in droves to meet this man she's talking about. Now, Samaritans wear all white. There are only a few hundred Samaritans left in Israel today. But even when they gather, they gather wearing all white. So when Jesus says, the fields are white to harvest, look, look. You think the harvest is going to be in four months? We're talking about a spiritual harvest today. Look. And this sea of Samaritans dressed in white was walking up towards Jesus. And he said, don't miss this opportunity. And folks, followers of Christ The fields are white to harvest in Longview, Texas. The overwhelming majority of this culture here doesn't have a personal relationship with Christ if it's like any other city in the United States of America. Open your spiritual eyes. The fields are white to harvest. People are just longing for living water that meets the ultimate need in their heart and in their soul. They're longing for it. And Jesus wants his disciples to see that. And he says, some are going to, uh, reap in the harvest some are going to sow in the harvest he gives contrast about all that in verses 36 through 38 and then we skip down to verse 39 look at what happens the result of one woman's witness from that city many of the samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified he told me all the things that i've done so when the samaritans came to jesus they were asking him to stay with them and he stayed there for two days And many more believed because of his word. And they were then saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Now, folks, this is fascinating because the witness of one woman leads to a whole city being open to hearing about Jesus. And amazingly, many, in that city came to believe not just because of the testimony of the woman that raised their curiosity but once they were face to face with Jesus they then began to believe now think about what we learn from Jesus in this one-on-one encounter about sharing our faith with the person who is not a follower of Christ many of you are followers of Christ some of you are not but think about what we learn first of all strike up a conversation jesus goes cross-cultural knowing it could be a divine appointment and he simply strikes up a conversation show interest in people that you encounter in everyday life just strike up a conversation secondly humble yourself to ask for help You may have a neighbor that's a staunch atheist or a Hindu or a Muslim or whatever it may be. But, you know, if you are willing to build a relationship and strike up a conversation, sometimes as you're living in that same neighborhood, you're going to need their help. I know one year when Ann and I were getting ready for Christmas, and, oh, I hate to say Christmas to the women here, and all of a sudden you've got a knot in your throat thinking all the things you're going to have to do over the next couple of months. But anyway, come back to me. Come back to me. One year we are getting ready for Christmas, decorating our house. We have to move our sofa out of the library area so that we can put a tree in that area. And we've been trying to build a relationship with our neighbors. So I just went next door and asked the guy. It's a little heavy for Ann to carry that sofa. Could you give me a hand on moving our sofa down to the basement so we can move the Christmas tree in? Yeah, man. He was glad to do that. Because, you know, people like to be asked for their help. It makes them feel important. They may believe completely different. They may not have any interest in the things you're interested in, but they love to be asked. Humble yourself enough, like Jesus, who asked this woman who was from a very different culture, very different ethnicity, could he have a drink of water? Just something simple like that. Maybe you're cooking and you're short on salt. Go next door, ask your neighbor, can I borrow a cup of salt? Humble yourself enough to ask for help with those who do not believe. Thirdly, seek to season your speech with spiritual truths about material things answered in. If you know your coworker is all about college football, then there's got to be some spiritual truths that you can season in there as you reminisce about all the games that happened this past Saturday ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and guidance about just things to hopefully whet their appetite what are you talking about living water what's that but fourth show respect for the cultural mores Jesus told this woman go get your husband because he knew it was really not culturally accepted for him to be talking to her in public like that he was being sensitive to that when Ann and I were visiting from tent to tent on the border of Syria right there on the border of Lebanon and Jordan and just it's a humanitarian disaster hundreds of thousands of syrians fleeing for their life now living in these tents and just whole families and sometimes extended families there but as we were going from tent to tent, sharing the gospel of christ we were very clearly told that i needed to be the one to speak to the husband or the man of the house because if we didn't do that nothing we said was going to have any impact it was a cultural sensitivity but what joy it was to be able to share with these Muslim men, so disillusioned with the hatred and violence of Islam, to share with the Muslim man of the house, as all of his family is there. They're all there hearing this. And to see him accept Christ, and then the whole family to trust Christ because he did. That cultural sensitivity that Jesus shows us there. But fifth, realize this we have to talk about sin at some point if we're going to share the good news of the gospel the bad news has to precede the good news the bad news is our sin which we all are sinners separates us from God and there is no hope for us ever getting right with God by trying to be good enough because just one sin separates us from God that's very bad news just one sin in your life and we deserve the judgment of God that's very bad news But the good news that follows that is that God loves us so much he sent us his son to give his life for us to pay the penalty for our sin so we could be forgiven and made right with God. That is the gospel. And there's even a double bonus. We receive the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit when we come to Christ and we receive the gift of eternal life which means we've got victory over death. Just what we were singing about in our worship time. Because of what Christ has done coming out of that grave those who are followers of christ we have the gift of eternal life that's incredibly good news you're not going to ever find any greater news than that but we have to remember that we have to deal with our sin issue and acknowledge that to recognize the need for a savior that's key but that's not all stay on point When this woman began to be convicted of her sin because Jesus pointed it all out to her she asked him a theological question and he answered it but he stayed on point and brought it back to himself. Stay on point when people raise secondary insignificant theological questions or political issues. Stay on point. Bring it back to Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. That is so key in this one on one counter. And realize this when you bring it back to jesus when a person trusts christ their testimony is incredibly powerful indeed folks listen now are you listening are you listening you are the world's phd in what jesus means to you you are the world's phd in the difference that jesus has made in your life And if he hadn't made any difference, perhaps you don't know him personally. But if Jesus has saved you, if Jesus has made a difference in your life, no one on the face of the earth can argue with your testimony. You are the world's PhD. This woman simply went and told folks about meeting Jesus. She never met a man like this. Could he be the Messiah? The testimony of one that would lead to a whole city being interested in christ so bring it back to jesus and when a person responds to jesus their one testimony can have an impact on many as we see this story i hope you're reminded today followers of jesus that the ultimate soul food is doing the will of god and nothing is more about doing the will of god than sharing jesus one-on-one. So, who's your one? Next weekend, Johnny Hunt is going to be here to focus on that very question. But I ask you today as you begin to pray about that time, who is your one in your family? or among your coworkers or your neighbors or acquaintances in the Longview community? Who is someone that the Holy Spirit has put on your heart that you're just longing for them to come, to have this personal relationship with Christ like you have? Who's your one? Who are you praying about? Are you asking God for an opportunity to share Christ with them by learning from Jesus how to share your faith? I promise you, nothing will re-energize your spiritual juices and life like sharing Jesus with a person who doesn't know him. Who's your one? Who has God put on your heart? Let's pray about that today. Father God, for those who are followers of Christ, we're bound to have family members, co-workers, neighbors. We know that they don't have a relationship with you. They may be agnostic. They may be an atheist. They may be Muslim. They may be Jewish. They may be just apathetic about spiritual things. But Holy Spirit, bring those people to our mind now. And as the Holy Spirit brings that person to your mind, would you just pray for them now? Pray that their hearts will be open and softened to hear good news of the gospel. And would you pray for an opportunity? Perhaps you've never shared Christ with a non-believer. For some of you, it scares you to death. But would you just begin to pray now that the Lord will give you courage and conviction and a desire and a spiritual sensitivity of how you might be able to share the greatest news you've ever discovered and the greatest news they will ever hear eternal life forgiveness of sin a removal of guilt and shame to really live with you forever oh lord may it be and Father, for those cultural Christians that are here that believe what the Bible says about Jesus, that call themselves a Christian, they've got all the head knowledge, but they've never really surrendered to Christ. They just don't have a sureness of salvation if they die today. But by seeing Jesus today and seeing how he accepted this woman and loved this woman and reached out to this woman to give her living water, that person wants that now. Oh, Lord, may they open their heart to you. May they say to you, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I've been misguided. I I see today that I haven't been thinking right about Jesus, about you. Lord, I want to follow this Jesus. I want this Jesus as my Messiah, my Savior. Tell the Lord that today. Father, it's my prayer that you are beginning to do a great and awesome work in the life of Mobberly and individuals here that discover the ultimate spiritual move meal and soul food of the joy of sharing the love of Jesus through their testimony through explaining the gospel through sharing their heart oh lord may it be for we pray this prayer in Jesus name